Hello. Welcome to Waldman's Words with Ranj Both. I guess this is a uh, two-consecutive-week Cogni special. So if you're listening to the wonderful Adam Snyder last week, you definitely learned some facets of Cogni, which I think is definitely a really cool mobile banking experience. I mean, honestly, I like to get people behind the scenes in any technology arena. So I think it's pretty freaking cool. And both Adam last week and Ranj this week have experience working in the music industry too. So it's what led them to, you know, where they are right now. And a few weeks ago, we had um, Andrew Katsenda on the show. He's also known as Andy Warpath. And he is currently a realtor, but he used to book shows and was a talent buyer or, you know, booker. And he actually worked at San Jose Skate doing literally everything. So people definitely, quote unquote, graduate from the music industry because it's definitely harder to earn a living now than it was like 10 years ago or even five years ago. It's pretty crazy. And a lot of people that you know from the talent arena, bands that you love, have gigs when they get home from tour because just the money isn't there like it used to be. I mean, just think about it. Most people stream music, and streaming royalties are kind of a joke. And I don't even know people who buy physical products anymore. I do buy vinyl, but CDs, they don't sell them anymore at Best Buy, which blows my mind. But I digress. Let's make this positive. So I'm really excited to have Raj on the show. Apparently, he is from England, so we're going to have some distinguished vocals from him. It's kind of awesome how he could say something probably really dirty, yet it'll sound beautiful. And again, shout out to Adam Snyder for orchestrating this. Shout out to Emily Burke, who's not here, but will be very soon, for editing this. And shout out to next week's guest, Tom Ganolfo, over at... Sony Red. He is an A&R admin, and he also has his own label. So we're going back to the rock and roll. So if you want to listen to future episodes of the show, I mean, why the heck wouldn't you? Every single Tuesday night at 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock Eastern time, a new episode airs. We are in the 130s, which blows my mind. You can literally listen to all of our episodes consecutively, and it'll be several days of your life, days that will forever live in infamy. Every single Sunday morning, bright and early, 5 a.m. Pacific time, 8 a.m. Eastern time, the show is rerun. You can go on adobe.com, stream everything. You can go on the podcast app on iTunes, subscribe for free, and stream everything, just like adobe.com. It's free as well. And also, you can go on Spotify and stream. So there's many, many different ways you can hear Waldman's words or my words. So stick around for this episode with Ranj Bath, and have a pleasant day. You know, I always like to start every show successfully, but I goofed on Ranj's name. It is not Ranj. It is Ranj. So my apologies to humanity. (laughs) It's not, it's not such a big deal. I appreciate you saying that. Some people might have taken 
severe offense to that. So you're in a room right now with the aforementioned Adam Snyder. Are you in the lovely city of Manhattan? I am. I'm freezing in Manhattan. Um, I'm, I'm currently living in L.A. and have been there for five years, um, but also came from Tulum over the weekend. So um, I'm wearing the, the heaviest jacket that I could find, which still isn't New York appropriate for this week. So, um, yeah, so other than all my beachwear that's in my suitcase, I'm, uh, I'm, I am uh, wearing everything I have. So. Well, it's, it's pretty weird that, like, I mean, this show is going to be airing in either late May or early June, but we're recording right now on May 1st, and it's crazy that you're cold. On May 1st, like this whole year has been kind of a mind fuck. I'm in L.A. right now and it's cold for L.A., but like complaining yeah. to a New Yorker or someone who's <laughs> in New York about the cold 64 degree weather, I think that's just abusive. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, L.A. has been unnaturally cold as well, so I, I hear you. Um, so, but hopefully when I get back, it's going to be a bit of a turnaround. We'll finally get a summer. I'll figure out a way to make that happen. So, oh, so <laughs> obviously you are not from the States based on your accent, unless you're just a really talented actor, but <laughs> growing up, where exactly did you grow up and what music were you listening to as a child? Um, so I grew up um, just outside of London in the County of Kent. Um, I have now been just, just to fill it in, uh, been in the U S for 18 years. Um, but growing up uh, in a very small town outside of London, I was kind of uh, listening to a lot of uh, pop music and rap music. Um, you'll find, you know, growing up in the in the kind of the 80s in the UK, um, particularly being of South Asian descent, you were kind of veered down two different lanes. You'd either be, you know, into kind of like urban music culture or you'd go down the, the other route of very kind of like indie, indie kind of like goth music. And that's what the, the, the two main genres that we were seeing growing up. What year are you talking about? Because as a frame of reference, I'm 38 and I was born in 81. Okay. I'm talking about like um, growing up, you know, as a teen in the 80s. Okay. So. so as a teen in the 80s, so I guess the prominent mainstream music was stuff like The Police and Depeche Mode. Or was it more like mid to late eighties with like? No, it was it was that it was, oh, it was that? Tears for Fears, it was Depeche Mode, Soft Cell, yeah. Oh, cool. You know, I learned something recently that Tainted Love is not an original Soft Cell song. I did not know that. Uh, I knew that, but I couldn't tell you who was the person who originally uh, created that. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now with the power of Google. So, when you okay. were growing up, did you? play any instruments were you musical was your family musical um none of the above okay um, i grew up never being able to read music <laughs> um never be able to play any instrument uh, parents didn't encourage it so was um you know from an, an immigrant family from india you know the focus was very much you know get your education you know, be a scientist you know become a doctor the standard stuff Sounds um, like so growing up Jewish on Long Island, to be honest right. with you. <laughs> like, I don't think that my parents were, well, actually, I know my mom was not stoked. Shout out to Fran Waldman, love you, about me moving to LA to do music. But by the way, before we get back into you, Tainted Love is a song composed by Ed Cobb from the American group The Four Preps and was recorded by Gloria Jones in 1964. Wow. And Soft Cell made that song huge in 1981, so... Go figure. So I guess growing up, though, with 
the whole like synth pop stuff being mainstream, was there a band particular that connected with you more than the others? Um, yeah, Simple Minds. Okay. So, so Jim Kerr, Simple Minds, um, listened to all of their albums. Um, and, you know, even to this day, um, one of my favorite tracks of all time is Glittering Prize. Um, and uh, that one is, is uh, for me, it's a really emotional kind of pick-me-up track. So I love playing that. Cool. So I guess you were into music, but you weren't, you know, a participant. But did you end up going off to college after I, high school or what, what started so your career? I went off to college and I'd say that's kind of when I really got into music and uh, actually became a DJ at my uh, at my university and um, ended up um, you know really kind of expanding out to becoming a, a club DJ across the London circuit for a couple of years as well um, and that was you know the you know the early days of uh, you know again being South Asian and being of South Asian with with urban beats, um, you know, kind of inspired by what was just beginning to happen on the scene, where you'd hear of people like Timberland coming into England, into Little India, clearing out all of the beats from the shelves, mixing it up, and um, a lot of people don't actually rec- realize that a lot of those the beats in those you know uh, in hip hop tracks that I could mention are are from you know Bhangra music or from Bollywood as well, from very very old tracks. And we were doing this on the fly, just mixing up these beats. And it was like, it was really resonating with the the second generation South Asian scene, which we today we call urban Desi, Desi being of South Asian origin. I've never heard that word before. That's interesting. Uh-huh. And what's crazy is like a lot of the pop music or whatever you want to call it now, you hear sometimes Middle Eastern influences. I guess that's the trend in 2019, but I guess um, maybe uh, Indian was the big thing then. Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd be surprised. I mean, I you know I always use the reference of uh, a track that everyone knows um, from the Black Eyed Peas, Don't Funk With My Heart, you know that song? Yep. Um, it's actually a, an identical remake of two 1970s Bollywood tracks. And if I played you them, you'd be like, oh my God. And it's, uh, yeah, there were, there were some vaulty discussions later on, but... Um, for the longest time, they weren't collecting royalties in India, so these guys got away with it. Huh. That's pretty amazing. Like, sample clearing samples nowadays is a pretty much impossible task, but clearing samples when you're not paying the writers is pretty easy, right? Right. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. last week, we had the wonderful Adam Snyder, who is eavesdropping on this interview slash facilitating <laughs> on this show, and he said that you definitely have a lot of experience, you know, in the music industry. So obviously we'll talk about Cogni. I mean, I think we should focus definitely on the second half on that. But post-college, uh, what were you doing? Um, so post-college, you know, I ended up, you know, following, you know, parental guidance and going into corporate. Um, and... That kind of led me into working for a media and communications um, agency, uh, then moved off to work for a large tech uh, conglomerate in the name of Intel. Um, So worked with Intel. I was running strategic relations for Intel across the Northern European region. And then um, I got an opportunity to move to the States. Um, And that was to kind of work in their kind of global marketing headquarters in Santa Clara in California. Uh, so I made that move um, and I was with them for about eight years. 
Um, and How old were you when you did that? Uh, like 30. 30 years? Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, so moved across to the US. Um, again, was working, towing the corporate line. Um, but music had always been a passion. Like I said, you know, it was, you know, I was DJing for a number of years across London, um, you know, still kind of passionate about this, this, this whole uh, mixing up of, of, of genres of music. And I was, you know, I was just playing a few, when I got to California, I was playing a few friends parties just for fun. And um, where, what happened was uh, while I was at Intel, you know, doing my corporate job, I ended up like just toying around with uh, putting a small podcast together for this genre of music because everyone kept on asking me like, you know, where are you finding this music? Um, you know, how are you, you know, some of those songs I was creating myself and then put together this small podcast actually in my bedroom and sent out to a few friends. And what happened was people started passing this thing around. So I, so I did another one. And after a few of these, um, it started getting some traction. And what happened was after it, it reached like a couple of hundred thousand users on this podcast, it, some of the venture capitalists in the Valley caught wind of it. And this was a uh, timing was kind of right for this because there was this, you know, back in that time, we're talking like 2000, 2001, you know, there was this, this whole kind of outsourcing trend to India, the whole growing middle class that was like now spending on luxury goods and entertainment. And they were being underserviced with, you know, you know, something that really kind of understood them as this new generation. And this podcast seemed to service them. So these VCs said, you know, you're, you're hitting our hot buttons right now. You know, digital media was a very new buzzword at the time. India was like somewhere they wanted to play. And then podcasting was also hot as well. And they actually approached me and said, why don't you go and build this out and we'll fund it? I'm like, whoa, like this could actually be a real company. I'm like, nah, you guys aren't serious. And then until, uh, and these are a couple of tier one venture capitalists in the Valley, until they came in with a million dollar check, I didn't realize they were actually serious. So that, that I actually, after that, I gave up my position and said, I'll go and build this as a company and see where it could go. Well, where did it go? Uh, well, built into a, a very interesting media company, it expanded into multiple different lanes. We raised uh, further five or six million dollars for the company. Um, it, it, it became a music platform. It's what started off as a podcasting platform, you know, really developed into a, a media company doing short form entertainment content, which was being distributed on web. Um, it then we, we then started doing television distribution deals with them as content, so we we're kind of like stitching it together. We were, uh, we got um, what what really kind of helped shape the company was an investment from uh, this guy called Jimmy Iovine, who's the founder. I've heard of him. Uh, of Beats by Dre, yeah. he was the um, chairman and president of Interscope Records, and he became a real advocate for the company, a mentor. Uh, and he, he helped kind of open up the kimono to the access that we were getting. We get, we, as wait, wait, stop for one sec. What, he opened up the yeah. what for access? I'm trying to think if that's a slogan I've never heard before. <laughs> I yeah, open up the kimono. It's like uh, <laughs> I don't know how common a term it is over here. But Oh, my but, God. Um, I've never heard that my whole life. That's uh, amazing. Right. It's always like, you know, that, that thing that's coveted and closed and you can't get access to. So he helped to open up and we were getting access to some of the biggest artists in the world where MTV would get access. And we're like this little startup. Um, but we, we bought something different. You know, it was, our, it was our positioning, you know, having come from a corporate world, you know, we were like, you know, we're, we're going to open up, you know, emerging markets for you guys. You know, we just need to, you know, sit down with you guys, interview you on, you know, what's your take on South Asian culture and, 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 and kind of walk you into new markets that you haven't even thought about. So we're going to access the people like 50 Cent, Freddie Rowland, the Black Eyed Peas, 
um, Nicki Minaj, you know, Enrique Iglesias, all these guys. And we were doing, we were, you know, it was, there was interviews, there were like fun, you know, cross-cultural things that we were doing with them. You know, just to see what we, you know, what we could create that would resonate with them. And then we started stitching together this short form content into like 22 minute segment, high definition content for television partners as well. So our content was going, you know, you know, to multi-million distribution across web, uh, television, also mobile platforms as well, because we were doing deals where we were potentially on deck with, uh, with, uh, with various carriers as well. So, um, and then the last piece of that, um, because of, and this is probably a bit of a longer conversation. You can no, no, I, I, I'm enjoying um, this. So, so go ham. Yeah. Open the, the kimono. Of it is we set up a music label which sat under um, Interscope Records as well under Jimmy, and the way that was born was that uh, we start. So I'll, I'll rewind for a second. So during the course of this, we started working on a couple of different projects um, because we became sort of Jimmy's point of reference for anything that was you know in this whole Desi demographic. So. I don't know if you remember the movie Slumdog Millionaire. Of course and I there do. there was the so Oscar-winning song. Um, we actually worked with Jimmy on creating the US version of that with the Pussycat Dolls. So we were like in the studio helping to write the lyrics, you know, putting this thing together, finding, you know, the, you know, the, you know how, how would we create this to resonate, working with the Pussycat Dolls to, you know, make sure they were culturally relevant, um, doing events with them as well. We had them kind of all dressed in saris. So that was, that was kind of the first kind of like foray into let's do something cross-cultural and then what we started doing was we, be, we started becoming like an agency uh, a record for artists as they were going into markets like India so we worked with people like uh, Lady Gaga Enrique David Geller as they were going into market so not just like a booking agent that would just they'll take your money and just take a booking we were actually building up into market before we take them up for a considerable time so take Lady Gaga for example we actually, we were the company that took Lady Gaga to India for the first time. But before we took her into market, we were doing everything from digital strategy, social media, PR, all the way through to the live touring. And we did that with creating content that was relevant. We did actually five different localized productions of her songs for the India market. So we pulled together, you know, local DJs, local Bollywood producers, across, and these were people even in different genres of Indian music. And then put it, releasing those into the market, so that she became very relevant before we took her into market. And then when we finally put her into the market, we did something amazing. Um, we had her um, close out the Formula One, which which went into India for the first time. So we built an entire venue for Lady Gaga, and it was incredible. Uh, and 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 we did this. They built it in about a week. Did you work with and her directly? A, did you ever have any yes, relationship yes, yes, with her? Yes, hundred percent directly. Um, and we, there's a bit, there's a bit of incestuous uh, relationship here. Her manager at the time, who was Troy Carter, mm-hmm. uh, Troy also sat on the board of my company as well, advisory board. So, and that's kind of how that connection came. He was but also he was on, on Shark Tank. Uh, yes, yeah. Which is pretty yeah. nuts, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, working with all these people, uh, give me a time frame. When was this exactly? That was around the 2007, eight, yeah, about 2008, that was that's when that all started unfolding. Because in the intro, which obviously you didn't hear, I talked about how a lot of people who worked in the music industry, you know, five, ten years ago don't anymore because there's so much less money to be earned. Mm-hmm. You were doing it when, like, just after, like, the post-Napster bubble burst and all that stuff. Did you notice that affecting you in any facet? Um, 
there was some nervousness when we were going in through subsequent rounds of investment for sure but from a consumer's perspective you know it's like hey we were we were we were we were streaming music um originally you know what everything we were doing was quite legal you know with the, with the songs that we we're putting in there and then you know then then we kind of like realized that oh you know as we're going into real company we need to start conforming so there were you know those concerns and you know we had to align and, and make sure that we were protected um but so yeah it was it was definitely a concern at the time um but you know it's one of those even to this day sometimes you hear from people's like you know if you build it they'll come so just build it and we'll figure out the revenue models and things later on and 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 figure out making sure that you're all regulatory compliant that i still hear that you know these days where were you but, when when this was happening because obviously you had definitely left the yeah. other side of the world so moved around so like i said so i was in santa clara originally when i started this company then we decided that um, if we were really going to build this into an entertainment company, we needed to be in either New York or L.A. We decided to actually move to New York, um, set up shop here in Times Square, had a 3,000 square foot office right in the middle of heart of Times Square. Um, and that's, that's cheap real estate, right? Very inexpensive. <laughs> For sure. Um, but um, yeah, just, you know, that's kind of where we grew the company. We were pulling some really interesting people, pulled in, uh, even managed to, for our CEO, managed to pull in a senior vice president uh, from MTV to help us kind of like grow the, grow the business. And then, um, you know, a lot, a lot of the people that we were working with, a la, you know, Jimmy Iveen um, and Troy Carter and a few others were, were then suggesting that, you know, LA is the place would be, you know, we can really help you if you're here. Um, and you know, I was also over four winters in New York, so kind of like the timing was good. So I ended up moving to LA. Um, so that was kind of like why the move. And then, just to fill you in the in the piece on the label side, um, you know, we were we were working with all these artists on helping them go into markets like India and the Indian diaspora. Um, and then, you know, it was actually you know Jimmy who it was kind of his his idea of like, you know, isn't it time that we did something in the reverse? You know, isn't it time that someone you know, who's known by a, a billion people in India, we could try and establish them on the world stage. And we we kind of all sat down, we had an aha moment because I was in India at the time. I was in a, a studio with one of the leading Bollywood producers and um, I I heard that, you know, because Bollywood uh, traditionally is all lip sync. None of these um, Bollywood actors or actresses sing any of their own songs. Oh, I didn't know that, <laughs> but they could yeah. sure dance. It, they can definitely dance, but but they're all lip sync with some incredible uh, artists behind them. Huh. But I, I heard this young lady you may have heard of Priyanka Chopra. Yep, um, uh, just Nick got, Jonas, just right? Married, <laughs> just got married to Nick Jonas. Yeah, and I heard that I heard, these guys just played me some of her music in the studio. They a song they recorded with her. I'm like, damn, she can actually sing. No, she. I'm like, this could be the artist. So we started exploring it. We spoke to Jimmy, and he said, let's do it. You know, like you know, she's known by. Um, and you know she could potentially resonate with this market. Um, so so that was kind of like you know the beginnings of it. And and Jimmy said let's let's create a label. So we created our own label under Interscope. And um, what was it called? Rest, it, it was called Desi Hits Universal. That the company was called Desi Hits. And uh, the label was Desi Hits Universal. And what year was and, this? This was around 2010, I think, yeah. Okay. And well, then when I say opening up the kimono, what Jimmy helped us do was uh, cut an album with her, with, at the time, one of the leading producers in the world, which was Red One, who did J-Lo's album. 
um, and a whole bunch of other leading music artists with major number one tracks. He did Lady Gaga's as well. Um, and um, and he, we, we started the first, uh, did the first track in collaboration with Will I Am and um, subsequent tracks with people with folks like Pitbull. So, wow. the, so that was the, the music that we released. Uh, and that was like kind of what paved her way into kind of resonating with a Western audience. Huh. Well, let's let's take a short break and we'll be back after these commercials and ads and songs or whatever Adobe is playing. But I asked Adam this question. I ask a lot of other people this question on the show unless I forget, which is rare, what adjective would you use to describe the past 20 minutes of your life? Uh, Besides the best, you know, I really would love um, You can do this, man. Okay. Something like remembering. Okay, reminiscing? Reminiscing, is the, yeah, that's what the word I was looking for, exactly. I will take it. So we'll be back in a few. Enjoy whatever you're doing. My voice just cracked. Holy moly. And we'll be back with an incredible interview. All right. So if you were listening, we just heard the name Pitbull. I haven't heard that name in a while. So thank you for that. So I guess what was next for you? Um, post that was um, we basically... Within the company, I told you there were kind of many facets of the company. We ended up taking a management position on Priyanka as well. Um, we did a couple of other tracks, but then what happened was we landed a television deal for Priyanka under the management um, company. Um, and that was a television deal with ABC. Um, and uh, she became the lead on the show, uh, which ran actually for three seasons. It was called Quantico. I'm not sure if you know that. Oh, I've heard of that show. That's an a big show. agent. Okay. But what about you? Yeah. What were you doing? Uh, what was I doing um, post that? So basically, um, so like I said, that, that company morphed into uh, a management company where I ended up moving across to, uh, to Beats Music. Um, and I became uh, VP of Corporate Strategy for Beats Music. So Beats by Dre had been around for many, many years. We're kind of like you know, on the edges of it, you know, you're always kind of like talking to, to Jimmy about it. Um, but I finally took a full-time role um, when Beats Music was, um, you know, just kind of like coming out of, uh, it's kind of like beta and, and really kind of beginning to grow. So came across and helped them really build that company and then work with them through the acquisition by Apple. So. And what year was this? Because obviously I really want to get into Cogni and the ins and outs of that. But what year was that? That was 2014. Okay. Yeah. Not too long yeah. ago. And yeah. when did you decide that, you know, not necessarily that the music business wasn't for you, but that you wanted to change things up? Yeah, I'd say, you know, you know, music's always been in my blood. It's my passion. You know, if, if you ever at my house, I, I think there's never not music playing in my house. So, you know, music's definitely something I keep abreast of. Um, you know, my personal uh, kind of career has, has spanned across industries and that could be, it could be any industry. And I get, you know, and I'm, I'm a marketing and I'm a branding guy. You know, I built a, a company from the ground up 
but leveraged my corporate experience, uh, worked with Beats, um, you know, that, that just happened to be in the music industry, helping to build and shape a brand. You know, Cogni, which we'll talk about, you know, it's in finance, but I get excited about disrupting industries and, and building things that have not been done before. Like, so Desi Hits was a platform for South Asians in the US, you know, I'm second generation, second, third generation in the UK. It's a much more of a mature um, audience there in the UK. But coming into the US, there was nothing that was servicing this this uh, industry. Hence, I built something which started off as a bit of a hobby, but became something. Uh, in the same way with Beats, I got I, I got very excited about it because, you know, Jimmy was disrupting an entire industry when nothing exists, nothing really existed. The only time you'd really see someone wearing big headphones uh, over the ear was an executive on a plane wearing Bose headphones. And because of obviously his access, he was like, he got his product. He was like, you know, when everyone was taking down copyrighted infringing content on YouTube, like Sony and, and Warner, he was like, we can sell a product through here. There's tens of millions of views on these videos of these music artists. So he started into, you know, he shaped the product and they worked with Monster and he integrated it into the videos of Lady Gaga, Black Humphreys, Justin Bieber and many, many more. And he grew what was a $220 million segment at the time to a $2.7 billion segment and then owned 67% of the premium headphone market. So, you know, he disrupted something. And I, I get excited about the same thing, disrupting industries. And that's kind of where Cogni comes in. It's, you know, it's in finance. Um, but it's like one of the last industries that really, truly needs to be disrupted. There's very, you know, there's a whole bunch of legacy companies that come with all sorts of like problems and issues and they don't really understand the lifestyle of, you know, how people are living these days. Nothing's really there to service them. So we have an opportunity to come in and build something entirely different. And I'm the guy that comes in and helps to kind of shape and build that brand within that. Wow. Well, What's it like working with the aforementioned Adam Snyder? Because I love <laughs> well, that guy. And he, by the way, in the last episode, mentioned that he has, I believe, in the five figures of vinyl at his house. So go figure. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Impressive, right? It's all fish right. albums, though. So I don't really appreciate <laughs> that. Amazing, amazing. My, yeah, my, my vinyl collection, it's, you know, obviously being a DJ, you know, you could get rid of your equipment, you know, your even your techniques. But, you know, you, you wouldn't have ever gotten rid of your vinyl. Although, I'll tell you something, um, I've been shipping my vinyl from place to place as I've been moving, and I would never sell my vinyl. One, there was one time when I, I walked into Amoeba Music on uh, Sunset Boulevard in L.A. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't do it. I had to walk out. Like, you know, there's, every single record has history, especially as a DJ. Growing up in London, I can remember walking into the import shops in Soho when the DJ would just spin you the latest import track from uh from from the us and i could tell you exactly where i dropped it for the first time when i was playing it um but i couldn't part with it but not so long ago i think it was about just under a year ago i did give a stack of uh music these, these are actually south asian song, um, in music to um dj reco who's a very well-known dj here in new york um run, ran basement bunga for many many years and um i'm like these records have to be played and you can't get these anywhere else anymore. So I, I donated them to someone that would actually do something good with them. I mean, that's like when you go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you see the archives. So you're actually helping history. So thank you for that. So I guess, mm -hmm. Cogni, like, explain to someone who has no idea what those five letters mean. What is it? <laughs> I mean, I obviously know because this is the second episode featuring someone who is a part of it, but I think it's really cool. Right. 
So cognitive, um, the word plays on the word cognitive. And, um, you know, we have a lot of kind of AI features built in, and this will kind of become cognitive and intuitive to start understanding your habits and become highly personalized over time. But essentially what we're, what we're doing is, as I mentioned, we're disrupting the old school financial model and almost like turning it on its head. Um, we are on, on a very basic level, a kind of like a lifestyle banking platform, which has, you know, you can open up a, a US bank account in three minutes, it's fully FDIC insured. And um, what, we, what we've integrated into this mobile app is a whole, a whole bunch of like products to help you manage your money efficiently. So I think gone are the days where people thought that, you know, the, the millennials were, you know, they were only about assets. Sorry, they were not about assets. They just want experiences. They didn't care about anything else. I think people are getting a lot smarter these days. They're and like, avocado yeah, toast, right? Exactly. So we want to, <laughs> um, we want to have a, you know, we want to have these experiences, but you know, you know, there's, you know, I want to manage my money efficiently. So I'm planning for the things I want to do, the longer term kind of things. And yes, there's a variety of lots of different financial management products and tools and stuff online. But what we've done is we've taken that and we've integrated it all within a platform where your money's being held. So on the basic level, we've got all those things in there, help you budget, plan, smart notify you. So it might say, dude, you're spending too much on going out this month, you know, as you go over budget, you can set all those kinds of things in there. That's on one side of, of, the, of, the, of the product. But on the other side, it's like, well, okay, so we, we know, we've got a general picture of who our audience is gonna be. And as I mentioned, the traditional banking system doesn't really understand them. You know, why do you even need a branch anymore? I can't remember the last time I went to branch. I actually can't remember the last time I took money out of the account. But, you know, people are still taking uh, cash from the ATMs maybe once or twice a month. But, you know, not many people are doing it much more than that. Got it. Um, so outside of that, you've got this generation, that, you know, they are they're leading a certain lifestyle. They're eating at certain places, trying to eat healthy. They're, you know, buying products from certain places. They're going to certain types of events. Um, traveling, visiting certain places. So what we're trying to do is like, well, okay, that's, that's, that's great. But then why not help you towards your goals? Why not bring some of these partners right inside the platform to help you, um, you know, book easily, to save easily towards these products, subscribe easily to these things. So we're bringing lifestyle partnerships right inside the Cogni platform as well. So we're, we're hoping, we're showing you how to manage your money efficiently, spend it efficiently as well. Um, so you're going to see basically it's, it's, it's lifestyle meets what kind of financial services. Well, what do you do exactly? Like, what is your title? Uh, I'm a chief marketing officer. Um, so I'm responsible for, you know, taking this product, uh, ensuring that it's reaching the right audience. We're building the right brand and tone of voice around it. Um, where we're, we're kind of scaling this cautiously and efficiently into the right market. So we'll, we'll test it in, you know, a couple of different locations, first of all, making sure, you know, while the product, you know, doesn't fall over, um, you know, we're also, you know, engaging with people the right way. We're listening to people, taking the feedback, um, and then and then really kind of blowing this out and then and making sure this is the right product that America needs. And it seems like you really believe that. I really believe in this. You know, that's what I'm saying. I have to believe in any company I'm in. Um, and like I said, you know, I believe in the vision of the company. I believe in the vision of our founders. Um, and, um, you know, I think this could be, you know, this could be massive and, you know, if serviced in the right way. But, you know, true to our, true, true to our values of our founders and actually the values of everyone that's here at Cogni, 
you know, it's it's all about, you know, making sure that the, the owner is empowered to be in control of their own data. And that's going to be super, super important going forward. You're hearing about so many institutions, you know, you know, privacy has kind of gone out the window. People are, you know, selling your data left, right and center. What we, we believe in that, you know, that user, it's like you should decide where your data goes. And we're like, if you're in control of that, that allows you then to actually be able to, you know, let people bid on your business. And that's kind of where this is going to go in, in, the, in the long run, is allow you to, you know, put things out to tender and then people can come along and say, well, you know, we, we understand who you are. Here's something that's highly personalized for you um, based on the fact that you've opened up and allowed us to give you exactly what you want. So. Well, I guess give me a, a, a diagnosis slash sample like how me, I'm a 38-year-old male, I'm married, and I am an artist manager. Like, mm -hmm. how can I benefit? Yeah, so um, we're going to have a variety of uh, functions within Cogni. Um, not everything kind of going out the door, but, you know, let's say you, you're, you're going to be saving towards certain things. Um, they could be big, a big house. items. A house. Like, like a house. Right. Or, or it could be things, the products, like, hey, you want to, you know, in the next six months, you want to you save up for some sneakers. You want to save up for a car, um, which could be a Tesla. What, what, what our aim is to do, our aim is to, to work with partners that will come on and say, oh, we know that you're, you know, looking for these products. Let's give you, you know, the best deal on those products. And you can fulfill, the, fulfill those right inside the platform as well. Um, and we'll look at those partners, you know, it could be Tesla, it could be Honda, all these guys that would incentivize you to continue to save for that product. So, you know, we're helping you not only with buying that product, but helping you with your savings goals and helping you manage it and plan efficiently towards getting there as well. And what's a typical day-to-day -day like for you? Um, because I'm in LA, it's usually up early on New York time, making sure that I answer all those emails before I get into the office. Um, I do like to carve off some time and read um, the news, general news and financial news as well. Um, that's usually like over my morning coffee and then getting into the office and then sitting down with my team and, you know, talking about you know, any, any issues, any plans for the day. Um, my workout is usually at the end of the day. I like to work out late when the gym's not so busy. So you'll sometimes find me working out at 10 p.m. at night um, when I can. I mean, we're um, in L.A. The gym's always busy because no one has a job. <laughs> that's also true. So less busy, I should say. Yes. <laughs> And, I, I've uh, seen the, some the, crazy the, stuff at gyms in LA. Right. Oh yeah. Um, and occasionally the, the occasional spin class, I, I fit in a few times a week as well. Do you have um, the shoes? Then, Do you have the spin shoes? Uh, I, I usually pick them up there. I, I'm getting to that stage where I should just get my own shoes. You save money. Um, Those $2 add up. And that's something you could put in your Cogni account to save up for spin shoes. Look what I did you there. See, I'm, not managing, I'm not managing my money efficiently. Well, you've got your financial planner, Scott Waldman, who um, has nothing to do with that. Right, right. Um, and then on the weekends, I'm, uh, I'm an avid motorcyclist. So you'll find me on my motorcycle. Although um, right now, I'm sitting with a dislocated thumb because I oh, had God. a little, little spill uh, Saturday, or to, not, not last Saturday, Saturday before. So this will take a few weeks to heal, but it won't stop me getting back on the bike. But it will stop you from being as quick on your mobile device. Now thumbs are more important than ever. 
Do you know what? I've realized that. <laughs> like how much you do using those thumbs, yeah. It's pretty nuts. I mean, I remember when I was dating my ex last decade and she had an iPhone before I did. I had a BlackBerry. Remember those? And yep. I was intimidated by texting on an iPhone, but now it's like second nature. So now rest up, heal up, and then when you're uh, back to biking, be careful so that you don't hurt your other thumb. Oh, thank you. And you are, um, you live in LA, whereabouts? Uh, I live in West Hollywood, um, just north of Sunset. So it's kind of like borderline Hollywood Hills. Okay. And obviously Adam is in New York. Is the company based in New York? Yes. The, the head office here in New York with our kind of banking operations, kind of backend stuff is in New York. And LA is where we put the marketing team. Um, and that's where we're running all kind of social influencer marketing, content development. And that's a strategic reason for placing the company there. Is it a brick and mortar office in LA? No, we're based in um, a place called Spring Place. It's uh, it's one of these kind of private member, we work. Like Soho kind of House like or whatever? Place. Yeah, it's like, it's like the new Soho House. And they've got one in New York. Uh, it's where they hold New York Fashion Week events uh, on the kind of borderline of Soho and Tribeca. And they just opened up in Beverly Hills in LA. It's kind of like the new hotspot, but it's, it's got a great event space as well. It's a great hosting space. You know, as you, you heard, we're working with a whole bunch of lifestyle partners, which is a way also strategically we can bring a lot of people in and, and, and host them and host meetings there. Um, so it's a, it's, a great, it's a great place to be and very centrally located. Yeah, no, I'm looking at it right now. It looks very chic. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this up pretty soon. And before you tell the entire world what you're listening to right now, because, you know, this is a music network. It's actually the number one alternative, you know, streaming network on the planet. Um, I would love it if you would tell the people listening when they can expect to hear more about Cogni and how they can get involved. Yeah, so um, we're currently, you know, heads down, um, you know, this, this, is a, this is a big platform. So we're being very cautious that, you know, when we start pay, taking people's money, this thing doesn't fall over. So we're, uh, you know, we're, we're still a few months away from launch. Um, you will start hearing a lot more uh, news in the media very, very soon as we kind of grow into launch. But, you know, towards the end of the summer, I think we'll, we'll be there. Um, we're super excited about it. And, um, you know, from that time, then we'll be inviting some people in to, you know, join our beta and, um, you know, they'll be able to take advantage of all the benefits of the things I described. Well, yeah, I mean, they'll be able to potentially purchase a coffee maker who freaking knows, right? So, um, I guess tell the people listening, you know, the Cogni, Website info, socials info, your own personal, if you feel inclined. Yeah, so um, company website is www.cogni.is. That's C-O-G-N-I.is. Um, that's the, you know, right now there's not a lot of information up there, but it will be changing very soon. There's also a link to our community page, which will kind of show you this lane that we're going down around, you know, helping to support the lifestyle of the audience that we're targeting. Um, so that would be the main reference point. Um, that's the, I'd say the best place to kind of find more information for now. I mean, it seems like a pretty solid place to go. And yeah. I guess just to close this out, because, you know, time flies when you're having fun. What are you listening to? You know, right now, what's in your playlist? 
Um, kind of varied. Um, I would say from kind of like SoundCloud DJs like Goldcap. So I, I kind of have those like deep house lane that I listen to. Um, Bob Moses was headlining this music festival I just went to in Tulum. So I've been kind of re-listening to those guys recently. Um, but outside of that, I like a lot of kind of like um, Neo Soul, Daniel Caesar, Anderson Pack's new album, uh, Kate Renata, folks like that, uh, Masego. Anderson kind of Pack is right huge now. now. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Like ginormous. Yeah, I, yeah, I've been following him for a good few years, and then yeah, he's definitely blown up now. Well, I guess that's a good place to end. So thank you first and foremost to Adam. Thank you so very much for doing this show. Next week, we've got Tom Ganolfo from Sony Red as an A&R admin on the show. You could tune in every single Tuesday for a new episode, 5 o'clock Pacific time, where you live normally, and 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, where Adam lives. The show goes up. We've got 130-something episodes. Sunday morning, bright and early, the show reruns at 5 a.m. Pacific and 8 a.m. Eastern. In addition, you can go on adobe.com and stream all the episodes. You can actually listen to Adam's episode and then do double duty and listen to this one. Also, you can go on Spotify, listen for free, and the podcast app on iTunes. You can download and subscribe for free. And if you have any parting words, now's your time. Um... I was just one other reference. I think we you could probably find more information about us, which is uh, on our Instagram. That's cogni.is. Um, we just relaunched that, so that would be a good place to kind of like see the story unfold for now. Um, outside of that, you know, really enjoyed reminiscing with you. Thank um, you. Haven't actually spoken about the uh, the past history in, in in quite some time, so it's it's nice to see how that that story is unfolding and where it's got me today. So uh, really enjoyed this. So thank you, Scott. No problem. I mean, it's cool to kind of revisit things you haven't thought about potentially in a decade or more. And I actually find this really interesting that when I just asked you know to forever hold your peace, you actually revealed you know, some more stuff about the company. Sometimes people say, you know, just thank you. So it's cool that you did double duty there. So thank you for doing the show. And thanks everyone for listening and have a good night.